labor has dignity. Thank unions, it's Friday. Welcome to On The Line, I'm Hussein, And I'm Rachel. On The Line is a show to highlight a real people's history and fighting class struggle perspective of what's happening on the ground in workplaces and sectors across the US. Whether we're on the assembly line, on the picket line, or on the phone line, you'll always find us on the line. Before we get into it, a brief news report mm. from your reporters at On The Line. Between March 2020 and November 2023, the collective fortune of the world's five richest men doubled. Doubled! From $405 billion to $869 billion. Damn. Did your wealth double in in, in those past three years? Because I know mine didn't. Definitely not. Mine did not. So yeah, we just wanted to share that brief little tidbit in case you weren't already in the fighting spirit to get you into the fighting spirit. Today we'll be talking about the Union of Southern Service Workers or USSW. USSW is not a traditional union per se, one that files for elections and negotiates for a contract, but instead is an organization of mostly black, low-wage food service workers in the South who use creative strategies and tactics to organize and build power in their workplaces and communities. The South most definitely has got something to say, and we are ready to hear it. Today, we'll be joined by Shay Parker, a member and leader in the USSW and a 20-year employee of Waffle House. Then we'll be talking with Paru Call, the president of the Alphabet Workers Union, about the latest wave of layoffs at Google. Google has seen another year of record profits and yet wants to signal to their investors that they will always put shareholder profits above the job security of their employees. Paro will tell us why this is happening and what they're doing about it. But first, I'll pass it over to Hussein for This Week in Labor History. On On the Line, we look to history for education, motivation, and inspiration for the fights ahead. Today, in 1969, a group of Detroit African-American auto workers known as the Eldon Avenue Axle Plant Revolutionary Union Movement, presumably part of the Dodge Revolutionary Union Movement, led a strike against racism and bad working conditions. They were critical of both automakers and also pushed their union, the UAW, condemning the seniority system and grievance procedures as racist. They're part of the long history of black workers pushing back against the rampant racism of their employers and to make sure their unions are strong vehicles for fighting racism by uniting black and white workers on the job to get what they deserve. On January 29, 1981, Dolly Parton's 9 to 5, an anthem to the daily grind, hits number one on the charts. While many people know and love this working class banger, many don't realize that Dolly wrote the song as a dedication to the 9 to 5 movement of women, office, and clerical workers organizing to form a union in Boston in the 1970s and 80s. Their fight began as a small group of women who were done taking shit from their sexist, chauvinist bosses and started distributing literature about their working conditions, building networks, taking on legal battles, and eventually forming their first recognized union with local 925 of SEIU, which, fun fact, still exists in Seattle. Check out 925, the book Story of a Movement, to learn more about it. 
On January 31st, 1938, some 12,000 pecan shellers in San Antonio, Texas, mostly Latino women, walked off their jobs at 400 factories in what was to become a three-month strike against wage cuts. Strike leader Emma Tenayuka was eventually hounded out of the state where she faced violent red-baiting for her radical politics. She was undeterred and continued her fight for immigrant workers' rights, also taking on the U.S. Border Patrol after they brutally beat and left Mexican immigrants to die in the desert in Texas. And lastly, we always got to bring it back to the Boston area. On January 31st, 2002, together, union and student pressure forced Harvard to adopt new labor policies that resulted in raising wages for the lowest paid workers. That's all we have for this week in labor history. It goes without saying that on the line, we'll keep looking to the past to fight for our future. Now, let's get into it. We are excited to welcome Shea Parker, a member and worker leader of the Union of Southern Service Workers who has worked on and off at Waffle House for over 20 years. And last July, Shay went on strike with her coworkers at Waffle House. Her decades of experience in service industry jobs have proven to her that dangerous conditions go hand in hand with low wages and that workers coming together as a union is the solution to both problems. Welcome, Shay. Thanks so much for joining us today on the line. All right. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor. So, you know, if you go on social media, it's almost like a running joke, the types of crazy stories that happen at Waffle House, right? Like, you can go on and see all types of crazy stories, but you actually worked there, right? And for over 20 years. Tell us a little yes. bit about what it's like to work at Waffle House. Uh, working at Waffle House was amazing to me. Um, it's a job that no matter where I live, resided, um, I could go back to. And over the years, I've seen a lot. I've witnessed a lot. Um, it's, it's good and it's bad, but a lot of the bad it needs to stop. Um, a lot of changes need to be made. Like, um, there's no safe place inside a Waffle House. And when you have shootings outside, there's no way to run and things like that. So, but I love my job. Like, it was amazing, but definitely need change. Definitely. Right, right. And obviously, you don't just take it, right? You stood up and you decided to fight. So tell us a little bit more about your journey into the union and in organizing on the job. All right. Well, with that being said, um, I actually moved from Mississippi back home, um, Columbia, South Carolina, um, and I transferred from their Waffle House there to here um, with things that, you know, were promised but not sought out. And um, two of my coworkers that I actually trained when I became a certified unit trainer, um, they noticed things that were going on and with the short amount of time that they worked there, you know, they were tired and they were disgusted um, with treatment, how the store was, things that needed to be fixed. The AC was going in and out all summer. It was extremely hot. It got in the hundreds here. So we decided um, to take action and 
the demand letter was read and the following weekend I decided to go on strike. I walked out. I went on a three day strike, which um, was the best feeling in the world to me. Um, It was like a weight lifted and I had their support. Um, I gave them my support. We had each other's back. Joining USSW has been like a amazing decision that I've made this far. So in the service industry, it's a really high turnover industry, right? Um, yes. People changing between different employers. What would you say to one of your coworkers who's just like, you know, I'm fed up, I'm tired, I'm just going to go get another job, you know, within the service industry? What would you say to them in response to that? Um, well, I would definitely approach them and, you know, see what I can do so far as already being a union member, finding out what's going on with them talking about what they're sick of, um, what needs to be done inside their establishment. However, going job to job is not going to solve the problem um, that I'm learning. And I would definitely, you know, give advice on that. You have to stand and take action and, you know, fight. Um, Going workplace to workplace is is not the answer. Um, But I definitely... um, would let them know about the union, what we do, how supportive that we can be, um, and let them know not to be afraid to stand up for their rights that they deserve. Okay. Okay. Word to that. (laughs) Um, I think, as you said, every time, you know, folks change workplaces, you just have to get used to the new shit that comes with it, right? You have to start from ground zero. You got to meet your coworkers, get to know the issues in the workplace, a little bit better mm-hmm. before you can actually, you know, figure out how to change them. But when you're you're a USSW member, it can be a little different, right? Because you're bringing the union with you to this new workplace. How did you feel the first time that you started a new job but had the union behind you this time? I actually felt amazing. Um, it was me personally, I don't want to say weird, but it was different. Um not knowing and the fact that I learned um, and I'm still learning so much stuff with being with the union, but starting a new job and know that I'm supportive. If I'm good, I'm going to let them know I'm good. But if I need them, they got my back. Yeah, no, 100%. I think the just the act of taking action with your coworkers when management day after day says things are impossible to change and then suddenly they have the will to change it as a result of the pressure that mounts, it changes everything about what people feel they're capable of, right? They carry themselves differently. They feel more powerful. So it certainly is an amazing feeling. There's a a particular region and a particular industry that USSW is organizing in. Um, it's in the South in what many would consider hostile territory, right? Right to work laws, union membership is much lower. I mean, really, it can be traced back to the legacy of the South and slavery and Jim Crow segregation. Some may say it's an impossible task. For you, Shay, and and all your coworkers and and other members of USSW, what's the significance of waging this type of fight and growing a union like USSW, particularly in the South? Um, well, I'm going to start off by saying, but there's nothing that is not possible. There is nothing that is impossible. Um, this fight is definitely is going to be a slow fight. Um, I would rather a slow fight and steady fight versus something that is going to be 
fast and you know we won't win in the end Mm -hmm. slow steady we're definitely going to win in the end um i feel as though people have to be taught and they have to learn and i feel like we have this stigma upon unions that we're bad and rah rah and that's just not the case we're here to fight for rights and safe workplace environments and to raise minimum wage at least $25 an hour. We have people that have been with Waffle House cooks making Waffle House millions of dollars and they're making $15, $16 an hour and it's not right, it's not fair, and it has to stop. Mm-hmm. Right. And we hear all types of things, right, about why the South isn't organized to begin with. I mean, here we're talking about, we know the the background of the racism, the legacy of Jim Crow, the right-to-work laws, but... You know, oftentimes the bosses, the politicians feed into the difficulties of of organizing in the South and say it's because workers don't want unions, that, uh, you know, they're too lazy, that they're backwards. Sometimes they're it's it's on the workers, the reason why uh, they don't necessarily have unions. What would you say to the idea that Southern workers are just too conservative or, or don't want unions? I would definitely say that that is not true. Um, We definitely want unions, more unions, need unions. um, And politicians and, you know, the government, they're trying to divide people in the workplace to separate us. And that is just not going to go. We definitely have to stand together, stand in solidarity with each other and to learn. A lot of people don't know about unions or what a union stands for. I didn't. But here I am today. And, you know, I'm standing firm on learning and teaching and growing and to be heard. And we can't allow the government and these corporations to continue to just belittle us and keep us at this standard where we don't want more low wage workers need more. We just want to be comfortable. We definitely don't want to be conservative. Yeah, no, 100%. I think there's just so much that's promoted in the media by, you know, people who own everything and don't do much at all to to make it all happen. Mm-hmm. And from Waffle House to Walmart, Target to Amazon, to the big automakers. And, you know, when you start sitting down and talking to coworkers about really what a union is, that it's, all it is, is just doing things together rather than alone, right? Mm-hmm. And when you frame it like that, it's it's not objectionable. You can't really argue the basic premise that we're a lot more capable of doing things together than we are of making change as an individual and going up to our supervisor and asking us for a raise. Because at the end of the day, they don't really care if we leave because they'll hire someone else. But they do start caring when we band together. Um, And, you know, I think USSW is on the forefront of that fight in the South. So it's it's so incredible to see. I wanted to pivot to one of the points you mentioned around health and safety. And USSW has said a lot around um, health and safety issues, have waged a lot of fights like yourself around health and safety at Waffle House, and has drawn attention to how different uh, OSHA has treated service workers in South Carolina compared to other industries. Um, could you speak a little bit to that fight and specifically OSHA's sort of negligence towards the uh, complaints from Waffle House workers? Of course. Um, OSHA 
um, has not done their due diligence to us so far as black and brown workers um, doing inspections like they need to be done. Um, speaking out against OSHA at the State House here in South Carolina, it's a continuous fight. We have to um, stand on getting them to move their feet for us. Um, and it's an issue. Like we have to get them to understand that, you know, with them doing their job, they have families just like we have families. If you want them to eat um, healthy food, cook at right temperatures and, you know, have AC when you go in a building, you're not extremely hot. Treat your your workers, your low wage workers like you would treat your families. You know what I'm saying? Like enough is enough. And they've only done two full inspections over the course of the past four or five years. Like and it's ridiculous. And it, it, it's time out for that. It's definitely time out. They need to do better. OSHA needs to do what needs to be done or they need to hire some new people. Wait, so two just to get this straight, two inspections. Yes. Out of presumably hundreds or thousands of complaints or filings. Right. Exactly. And that's why we're fighting. Wow. Definitely a no-go. No, definitely. Yeah, definitely a no-go. That's insane. That's crazy. Especially (laughs) especially how public it is, the safety concerns that take place at Waffle House. That's what I'm talking about. Like, you go on social media and it's like all these crazy things. It's very public. It's very out there. And it's, you know, it's... It's like a, a blessing and a curse almost because you have people that is negative towards the workers and we're not being treated fairly. You know what I'm saying? We're in unsafe environment at work. You know, there's security issues. There's uh, disrespect for management because you choose to stand up to management, corporate, and for where you work. You know, you have a lot of people. Um, I have friends that, you know, have continuously worked for Waffle House. They love their job, just as I did. However, there's still stuff that goes on. And, you know, it's it's a task. It's a fight to get them on board to let them know that you don't have to be content in this situation, whether it's fighting for OSHA or, you know, just inside your work environment. But it, it's a difficult, but we're pushing, pressing, and, and going to continue to fight. The the last year, really the past year of 2023, a lot has happened in the labor movement. Initially, all eyes were on UPS workers, over 340,000 UPS workers that were fighting for a fair contract, and they won. They were ready to strike, and as a result, they didn't have to because management was so fearful about— they, they recognized the power that workers had to just shut down the entire, entire company and, and make such an impact on the national economy. Mm-hmm. And then in September, UAW auto workers struck, and they also won record raises and, and benefits, and uh, it's more rapid uh, to get to top-rate pay— people who have been working for decades in these plants who are classified as temporary workers, just ridiculousness. But they change that to your point that anything is possible to change despite what the company says is is impossible. This is just the way it is. Uh, If you don't like it. No matter how long it takes. No matter how long it takes. And that's something that, you know, not just UPS and the big three automakers learned but it sent a message to workers across the country that they don't have to deal with the issues they face on the job. They can actually change it, but the way you change it 
you have to do it in a certain type of way, right? You have to get organized. You have to form a union. In the South now is sort of at the center of it all because the UAW is organizing the non-union auto companies now. Um, In Tennessee, the Chattanooga Volkswagen plant went public. In Alabama, the Mercedes-Benz workers are, are organizing, and they also went public with their fight. It seems like the feeling in the air is different around unionization and, and workplace fights. What's the, what's the feeling you get about it and, and your coworkers and other members of USSW sort of witnessing this surge in popularity of unions? How is it uh, impacting you all and, and where do you see things going? Um, it's definitely a different type of feeling. Um, it's like a breath of fresh air for me. Um, every action is overwhelming, but it's like the it's like open up presents on Christmas for me every <laughs> time. Like I love it. Um, being a union leader now, um, is dope. I'm trying to get to the point where you know I'm learning. I'm still um learning so much. Um, politically. Union Lee, um, just being here and supportive of my union family, because that's what they are. Um, we stand in solidarity with other workers. Um, I do my best. I try to read up um, on different things and just learning um, and being supportive. That's like the biggest thing. And I was scared. You know, I'm not going to sit and lie and sugarcoat and act like, okay, you know, I can do it. But I was terrified, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But when I did it, it was like a weight lifted. I regret nothing. Um, I tell people like different workers in different stores, the whether it's Dollar General, um, a warehouse, a restaurant, it doesn't matter. You don't have to deal. You don't have to continuously to be miserable, but you don't have to job hop. Mm-hmm. Stay where you are, organize, unionize, demand, and fight. That's the only way. But we're 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 breaking barriers. I'm ready to go city to city. Like it's a thing for me now. <laughs> it's been amazing. Yes, that is a great point to close on, I think. I, with, with the Union of Southern Service Workers, all of this other organizing across the South that's taking place, we are clearly seeing that the South has got something to say. I'm so excited to see where your organizing goes, um, you know, over the course of 2024. And we really appreciate you joining us on the line, Shay. Thank you. I thank y'all so much. This was an amazing experience for me. So this was dope. Um, I appreciate it. Thank y'all so much for having me. It's such an honor. Most definitely. We'll have you, we'll have to have you on more in the future too. Mm-hmm. Definitely do that. I'm game. Yeah. I'm definitely <laughs> game. Anything USSW wants to put out there and and get other workers inspired by, we gotta, we gotta have on. So thank you. All right. USSW, I love y'all. Um, we look, just look out for us. We're still going to continue to unionize, organize, strike, demand, march, fight. Our voices will be heard. Changes can be made, y'all. So I'm looking at the camera right now and I'm speaking to you. And just know that you have a support system. USSW is here. So we're just a phone call, a text, a message away. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Thank y'all so much. This has been amazing. Thank you, Shay. Thanks, Shay. All right. Thank y'all. 
Now we're joined by Badul Call. Badul is a software engineer at Google working on Google Search. So anytime you're searching something on Google, Badul has had a hand in developing it. Is that right? Somewhat. Okay, <laughs> to somewhat. a small extent. Yes. Uh, she's also the president and founding member of the Alphabet Workers Union, or AWU, CWA Local 9009, Communication Workers of America, which is a wall-to-wall union at Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google. We're so honored to have you on the show, Bottle. Welcome. Uh, how are you doing? Thanks, Hussein. I'm excited to be on the show, um, but in general, it's been a crazy few days at Google with the layoffs that have been unfolding. Yeah, so I mean, let's just jump into it. Obviously, you alluded to it. Google had announced just last week the layoffs of, I believe, over 1,200 employees. And previously, I believe it was exactly a year before, layoffs of thousands of workers. So what is happening at Google currently? Yeah. So as you said, um, you know, Google announced layoffs at a few different product areas last week. Estimates uh, are that it's from 1,000 to 1,200 people. They've been pretty shadowy by the actual numbers. Um, today, actually, this morning, they announced another round of layoffs in their uh, sales teams, which uh, we don't know the exact numbers yet, but what we've heard is, and what has been reported by other media is it's a few hundred people. So um, it's been a pretty intense few days at Google. Wow. And it, you know, it seems like this is a, a general trend in tech that we'll we'll sort of get into, but Google, to my understanding, isn't facing enormous financial hardship. So why do you feel like these layoffs are happening? And you know, what could Google do in instead? Yeah, that's um that's an excellent question. Um you know, it's not surprising that the timing of these layoffs is very similar to the layoffs that happened in 2023 um, with the Q4 earnings report coming out in February 1st. Uh, more than anything, these layoffs are signaling to the stock market that, you know, Google is being, in square, scare quotes, financially responsible um, to its uh, to its investors, to, to shareholders. Um Uh, I also want to make it clear that these layoffs are certainly a choice. As you said, Hussein, Google has an enormous, um, you know, over $100 billion in their cash reserves. They did stock buybacks of over $70 billion in the past year. So um, they had an option um, to do something different, and they made a deliberate choice to, you know, uh, fire people and have them lose their livelihoods. Protecting against layoffs is one of the many things that a union can do. Uh, But I think, you know, there are increasingly people out there who say and and think that, you know, tech workers, they don't need a union. Like, you know, they're really well paid. They have office jobs. What's the point? But I think it's also important to note that that's like the top tier tech workers, right? Like not all tech workers are making so much money. There's there's a a whole layer of, of contract laborers who are actually making very poor wages. Um, but what would you say to the folks who, you know, have this mindset that tech workers don't need a union? Yeah, uh, we heard this so much when we first started organizing. Um, you know, people at work would be like, tech workers don't need a union. Aren't unions for for coal miners or people working factory jobs? Um, and I think the last two or, two or three years that 
we've been organizing and we've existed have really shown that the opposite is true. And these jobs that are really, um, you know, some of the best jobs that as a worker you can get in today's society, the like the working conditions, the wages, the benefits for those are all all being eroded. Um, and subcontracting, as you mentioned, Rachel, is a big part of that where, um, you know, these jobs are going from, you know, really good jobs in some ways to then um being a much more on you know unstable and precarious form of employment, but even the really good jobs, as you as we can see from what happened this past week, aren't as stable or as predictable anymore. With just the enormous number of layoffs that have happened in the tech industry. Yeah, I, I mean, speaking to that last point, I believe it was over two hundred thousand tech jobs that were eliminated, or, or two hundred thousand people in the tech industry last year that were laid off. Uh, of course, like you mentioned, people's lives completely overturned. And it's it's not all just people who are making, you know, several hundred thousand dollars a year. I think it's a very rare layer of people in, in tech, but it's in- increasingly changing, um, not just with the layoffs, but the nature of of the work. Uh, I think the the sort of perception of tech work for many years was at least when I was in school was like okay well you can kind of just coast and get uh, a big paycheck and I, I would say probably even then that wasn't true but in, now it's it's certainly not people are really feeling it you know you you mentioned the layoffs it was a choice that Google made um, they have over a hundred billion dollar cash reserve which is huge uh, and they use this term efficiency and I think it's a term that a lot of tech companies have been throwing out. Uh, if they really wanted to do it efficiently, they can just take you know a s- tiny percentage of their cash reserve and and ensure that people still had a job. What was the nature of the layoffs? Was it performance based? What and who were the people who got laid off? Um, and then sort of relatedly, what's the where do you see the tech industry growing? I mean, it almost seemed like there was an endless amount of cash and money going into tech, and now suddenly what we've been seeing is layoffs after layoffs, round after round, year after year over the last, you know, three, four years. That's such a key point, Hussein. Um, and this is something we hear over and over again from our members. Um, it's not just the fact that there's layoffs happening, but it's really the senseless nature of them that is so disconcerting to people because there isn't a consistent performance standard that's been used to implement these. Um, you know, people would really long tenures, people who've recently been promoted, people who have a long track record of being successful performers at Google have been laid off in the layoffs that happened in, you know, January last year or this year. Um, And it just, it creates an environment of like uncertainty and fear where you might be laid off, um, you know, for reasons or decisions that were entirely out of your control, like working on a product area that's no longer being prioritized or, you know, being in a certain location, things of that nature. Um, So, it's it's definitely driving uh, you know a tremendous amount of anxiety for sure, but also just a complete loss of like faith and respect for the leadership because people don't understand why these choices are being made, and it's very clear that there's very little regard for them as uh, you know forget regard for them as people, but regard for them as employees and for like the service that they've done to the company. Right. No, I think that all makes sense, and I think it's important to zoom out as well that these layoffs just the the deteriorating conditions and situation at Google and, and other tech companies is happening in the in the larger context mm-hmm. of a political awakening across our country, right? Like unionization is on the rise across all sectors. You know, people are just coming into a sense of understanding and political consciousness that 
hasn't really existed in some time, if, you know, at all, ever, to this degree. And I think it's interesting, too, that among this supposedly well-paid class of workers in in tech, uh, folks are increasingly seeing themselves as part of the working class, right? And seeing, okay, yeah, we maybe in some cases we do, um, you know, have better wages and benefits, but we still need a union, right? So what do you think this says about the conditions of the country right now that this is the case at Google and beyond? Yeah, I, I think I, I completely agree with you, Rachel. I think that larger and larger numbers of people are coming to the realization that things are not going to change without us coming together. And the fact that you know conditions are getting worse for everybody all around. Um, certainly, for a long time, there's been an individualistic mindset in the tech industry that if things aren't good at this company, I'm going to get a job somewhere else and, and go somewhere else. And uh, a point of agitation that we've been using a lot recently is where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. The situation is the same everywhere else, whether you're at Google, Amazon, smaller tech companies, you know, if you're in the financial sector, I know Citibank just announced 20,000 roles being eliminated um, over the next couple of years last week. Um, the situation is not great all around. And I think people are, um, you know, coming to the conclusion, but also us as organizers, I think, have the opportunity to help them come to the conclusion that we need to take action together um, and get organized as an industry and as a class so that we can actually fight back. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I think what was once considered like an industry that was insulated, in a sense, from all the other problems of society and the ups and downs and booms and busts of the economy uh, it's it's not the case. Uh, and the point you made around just going to another job, I mean, the people I know who are in the industry who no longer have jobs, it's really hard to get a job in, mm. in tech right now. Uh, despite people being, you know, qualified and have been, like, as you said, strong performers at the companies they were once at. So it's uh, it's funny because people always say, oh, it's different in the coal mines. It's different in the service industry. It's different in tech. But really, it's all the same because we were talking to a USSW worker, a worker at Waffle House, who's a member of Union of Southern Service Workers. And we asked that question exactly. What do you say to a coworker who's like, oh, I'm just going to get a different job? And she responded with pretty much the exact way you did. Right. Well, what do, you're going to have the same issue at that job if you can find a job. So it really is all coming to, to a head in a sense. Um, one of the reasons you're on the show is because you're the president of Alphabet Workers Union. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not a traditional union per se, uh, in the same way that many other unions aren't traditional unions, like the person we had on the show from USSW, not necessarily all running NLRB elections or, you know, negotiating a contract, but you're still taking action around this issue. What is AWU and its members doing in response to, to the layoffs and why is it so important to have this vehicle? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's an excellent question. Um, you know, the layoffs that happened last year were uh, a huge organizing opportunity for us because every time an event like this happens, more and more people are exposed to the reality of their workplace and the fact that our employers don't really care about us. And very much in that same vein, this time around, um, we're organizing, uh, we're starting to build a campaign that is fighting back against the layoffs. Um, we're going to be taking action at I believe six different offices across the country on Thursday, and we have plans for further actions to come in the in the weeks following. Wow. Well, it's going to be cold out there, uh, 
but it doesn't sound like that's going to stop you all. At least in, in Boston, it's going to be very <laughs> cold. Uh, but it doesn't matter when, when people are under attack. Uh, what do you do? Stand up, fight back. Isn't that right? Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's really great to, to hear that there's so much action and, and such a rapid response to the layoffs. And as we all know, it's the only way a company will, will respond favorably uh, is if lots of people get together and demand something different. Google frames itself as a progressive employer, as, you know, they have, I mean, I, I guess it's debatable if they say all the right things, but for some time, you know, they're, they're, DEI is in the media now, I think, largely around the issue of Palestine and the whole, this whole argument that DEI is creating uh, militants and Marxists and so on at these college Whatever. campuses. But anyway, <laughs> that aside, Google has, and many other large companies, they have these working groups and, and they say all the right things around diversity, at least on the surface, um, paint themselves as a company with, with morals. How does that match up with the actions Google is taking? Yeah, it doesn't match up at all, right? Um, <laughs> if, if people really cared, if companies really cared about diversity, equity, inclusion, they wouldn't be laying people off in the middle of the night and cutting them off from, you know, um, healthcare or you know, planned uh, leaves that they had um, and things, things of that nature. Um, I think a, a people in many different industries, I know in higher ed or you know, other other types of work, people are drawing the conclusion that. Really, the only way to win DEI protections is in the form of strong, a strong union and like labor organizing to uh, win a strong contract that actually enshrines those provisions for DEI in something meaningful that can't just be taken away from the company at any point. Um, or, you know, things that sort of just get um, shuffled into some kind of like bureaucratic administrative process that's co essentially controlled by the company. Um, I think the same thing is true in the tech industry. And I think um, more and more people are you know, waking up to the fact that, that that there's a confrontation here and that actually like the, the interests of the boss and the interests of the workers when it comes to DEI issues are not the same. And we need our own organizations to be able to fight for that. These companies be just so funny with their DEI stuff. It's actually funny. So apparently in the code of conduct, Google used to have a little statement that said, don't be evil. Whatever the hell that even means. That's comical in itself. But it's more comical that back in 2018, they decided to take that clause out of the code of conduct. So it's just like, all right, cool. Bet, like, we can just go. We can't be evil now. <laughs> <laughs> we can be evil. Um, but, you know, Paro, I used to work um, in communications at CWA. And I worked on or with, you know, the the code CWA campaigns. And so I, I was more in the know of, you know, the ins and outs of the different uh, tech and digital and, and game worker campaigns that were happening. And AWU, you know, runs, you know, members run uh, their own communications. But I just remember, it's like every week, y'all are putting out a different statement about something that Google did to workers, whether it was Google help workers, whether it was the retaliation against YouTube music workers, which are all housed under Google, right? Um, which, you know, again, speaks to the fact that they make in mad money because they have their hands everywhere. But tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of the union busting and, and retaliatory tactics that Google has used um, against all of the different workers under Google. Yeah, it's it's been a range of things, but actually, I think it's worth mentioning that layoffs are a key tactic that Google has used um, 
to fight back against subcontractors who are organizing as part of AWU. So the Google help workers that you mentioned, Rachel, um, they won their NLRB election recently. Um, but just a few weeks prior to that, Google actually laid off almost 80% of their team um, with the intention of you know, offshoring those roles essentially to Philippines and India and other mm. places where the cost of business is lower. Um, so, I mean, these are sort of really you know dirty and heinous tactics and it's a sort of intentionally structured in a way where it's hard to trace these decisions back up to Google because it's the subcontractor that's doing it. But I think layoffs are, are a key way that this is happening. Um, and I think uh, to go back to an earlier point about, you know, AWU's unique structure and why we have like the direct employees as well as subcontractors, obviously part of that is just a sense of solidarity between these two different groups that work at the same company. But it's more than that, actually, because I think people see a shared trajectory mm. that if we don't fight for our jobs and our conditions right now, that is actually what's going to happen to our jobs. And we see it happening you know, more and more as we speak. So um, I just think that the solidarity between those two groups and continue to build that through our union is really important to us. Yeah, no, I think that's such a great point around full-time employees, temporary employees, contracted employees rather, uh, and bringing them together and getting people to see not just uh, this this feeling of sympathy, like, oh, I feel bad for them, but no, actually, if they win, I win. Uh, and they actually have to win for me to be stable and we have to win so that they're stable. Um, exactly. One thing I wanted to to get your thoughts on is this advent of artificial intelligence. Mm. And obviously we see it covered in in ways that are like kind of uh, movie-esque. Uh, like we see all these movies around like the future with technology and everything is just so downtrodden and robots run society. Um, and I think there's sometimes kernels of truth to like the story there, but in some ways it's kind of, it's not a good analysis because it's so comedic and then people don't take it seriously. Mm. And then on the other hand, you have people who are like, this just isn't going to work. Uh, AI and all this stuff is is fake. It's not actually going to be able to impact people's employment or whatever. Um, and my feeling is that it's somewhere in the middle. I mean, I think it is actually more serious than people take it. Um, and it's it's not so far out in the future. And in the case of tech, at least from what I've seen with the release, or like sort of more broad use of tools like ChatGPT, uh, programmers can enter, you know, a, an aspect of their project in the prompt and be like, hey, I need you to write code for X, Y, or Z. And uh, GPT generates it um, with some degree. I don't really know how accurate it is, but to some degree of accuracy. Like, how is the the advent of artificial intelligence and, and generally the sort of de-skilling of work, not just with AI, but like the these massive campaigns? I'm sure all of us saw when we were in high school or in college that these big tech CEOs would be uh, pushing, and they would make a big PR stunt out of it, pushing uh, high schoolers studying computer science. We need more people who are studying oh, computer facts. science, computer science, computer science, almost as a way to like flood the the labor pool so that they can hire people for cheaper. But anyway, like this whole trend of de-skilling, artificial intelligence, I mean, what do you make of it? Is it something that we should really be paying attention to? Maybe it's already impacting people at Google right now. I just wanted to get your your thoughts on it. Yeah, this is a really important question, Hussein. And I think I totally agree with you. It's sometimes the presentation of it is like really cartoonish that it's hard. Yeah. I think especially for tech workers who have 
knowledge um, of the technology and can sometimes see its limitations. It's hard for them to take it seriously. But, um, you know, I definitely reject the notion that it's not coming. Um, it's just a matter of when and how, um, you know, how quickly these tools can develop. And I think an example of this is that um, I believe it was the information ran an article a couple of weeks ago, um, or it might have been in late December, that Google's ad sales team was planning a big restructuring that might involve layoffs due to AI because mm. um, they no longer needed people working in sales to work as closely with their clients because they had AI-based tools that were making decisions for clients on you know, where to put their ads and what kind of ads to run. Mm. Um, so there's a clear sense of like job eliminations because AI can just do that role for them. And I think it's not um, not that far off in the future that those kinds of improvements, um, you know, probably piecemeal at first, but slowly start to make their way into the jobs that, you know, are in the tech industry and elsewhere. So I definitely think it's a threat we should be taking more seriously. And I think um, the question is really building our own you know, capacity and knowledge for analyzing it in a way that it isn't just like like a sci-fi apocalypse movie, but really like taking, studying the advancements in the technology very seriously. Yeah. And we saw the power of a union. I mean, we can get into a whole two-hour conversation plus about, well, what's the solution? Well, we know it's coming. We can't be sort of Luddites about it and just smash it. Not that that would be the right answer if it was like a physical piece of hardware, but it's also digital. Uh, but on the other hand, wh- yeah, what is the solution? Uh, but we do know from the summer that uh, a group of workers who are highly organized and willing to take action and united in the case of SAG-AFTRA, the Actors Guilds in Hollywood, that there can be protections and regulations over the usage of artificial intelligence by a company that will, I mean would have inevitably resulted in the loss of, you know, tens of thousands potentially positions in in that industry. Uh, they were able to win really strong provisions in their in their contract around the usage of it and requires the the consent of performers to, you know, train their body and speech and and so on and and to have it be used without their without them even being present because it's in some ways the technology is so advanced that it's indistinguishable. So I think we should talk more about it. Maybe not today, but it speaks to the union difference. Certainly. And I think more and more unions are, are waking up to the fact that, you know, they need to be preparing for this eventuality. I was part of, for a period, CWA's AI committee a few months ago that, um, you know, helped kickstart this process in our own union. And there's definitely a lot of work ahead of us, but it's work that we have to do. I don't want to project too much, but I'm sure that, you know, mass layoffs once again at Google has sent some workers into a bit of a fearful frenzy, Mm -hmm. if you may. Parl, do you have a message for all the workers at Alphabet or Google who haven't yet joined AWU uh, that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think my message is very simple. What are you waiting for, right? Um, the company gives us signs every week, um, every day at this point that they don't care about us. Um, they're not you know, thinking about our well-being or even what we're able to do for them. They only care about their bottom line. And um, the most efficient way for us to respond to this is by getting organized, by having um, collective voice, not by you know trying to solve these problems individually. So get involved and get organized. Well, I think that's a really great point to to close on. We hope that everyone listening by the time this show is out attended, if they're in Boston and they're affiliated with Alphabet 
had attended that Thursday action. We wish you good luck, and I'm sure we'll, I, we hope that we'll be there too. And I'm sure we'll have you on the show in, in the future as well to, to dig into these topics more in depth. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of On The Line. Make sure you like, share, and follow us at at Labor On The Line on all streaming and social media platforms. As always, whether we're on the assembly line, on the phone line, or on the picket line, you'll always find us on the line.